Well, good morning, Mount Zion Church. Everybody been doing okay? Keeping cool? Are we doing okay? So I was watching uh, an old movie from like 23 years ago, uh, the Left Behind series. It's about the rapture and all that kind of stuff. And all I thought about is, man, because what they all deal with is all the people left behind. So, the, the, you know, all the whole movie series based on people who have to deal with all that stuff. And all I kept on thinking is, I'm so glad I don't have to go deal with all that stuff. I'm so glad that Jesus comes and takes us before all that stuff happens. So come on, let's all stand to our feet this morning. Haven't played this in a long time, but was just totally thinking about it in light of that this week. There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. It may be evening, morning, or it may be noon. There'll be a wedding of the bride, united with the groom. And we shall see the King when He comes. We shall see the King. We shall see the King. We shall see What's going on? I think we have, don't we have Jimmy announcements today? 
Oh, here we got put the echo on. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Jimmy. That's all you uh, get, bud. <laughs> Good morning, guys. How's everybody doing? All right. Hopefully staying out of the heat. We went to the zoo uh, in Folsom the other day, or yesterday. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Isn't your house a zoo, dude? I, well, okay. So that one's like a wildlife zoo. Or what, I mean, okay, they're all wildlife, but I mean, like, bears and wolves and, you know, not like rhinos and stuff. And I go, I was, Anna didn't go with us because she's somewhere else today, and I had the boys by myself, and I was like, you know, I remember this being a lot better. I see more animals in my backyard. Yes. <laughs> Especially lately, we've had a 350-pound bear. That you can eat. Yeah, that scared me. It came down, <laughs> came down the other night. And we come out of the garage, start to go to the ducks, and I go, what is, babe, go back in the, g g back in the garage, go. <laughs> and then did you count the kids? Like, yeah. <laughs> <Jason> Paul. <laughs> no, yeah. No, we've been having a huge problem with bears lately. But anywho, uh, just a couple of announcements. We got, uh. Sin Paul. Sin Paul. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't scared of anything. I brought Buddy out. Buddy's like a 100-pound uh, black lab. Barking at him. The bear didn't care. I shot. All he did was look at me, and he goes, fine. <laughs> That's all he did. I go, what? This guy's big. Oh, my God. But anyways. Um, yeah, and, uh, as far as uh, just a reminder, we got all of our uh, like Wednesday night Bible studies and summits is on summer break for now until September 6th. So uh, use this time to uh, create like a new little uh, Wednesday nights maybe with you and your uh, husband or wife or partner or, um, or just mix it up a little bit. That's what we're using to kind of use this time to try something new. Oh, what else do we got? Oh, movie nights. Movie nights. It's coming quick. It's almost here. Almost here. July is flying by. I don't know about you guys, but it's like it was just, it was just the 4th, and now here we are. It'll I, be I, August. I told you. You're going to blink. Yep. Starting football next week. Woo! Nobody? <laughs> You're an island. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else do we got. Uh, Sandwich Sunday the, is always first Sunday of every month. And this theme is finger foods. Can I get a woo? Anything? Woo! Come on. <laughs> finger foods. All right. I think that's all the what? announcements. Okay. You We're going to do something a little different before meet and greet. 20 minutes. No, we're not doing 20 minute meet and greet. All right. Bow your heads. Father, as we go into this time of fellowship, I ask that if we are... Uh, walking over to meet someone or greet someone, that you would supernaturally give us a word of encouragement for that person, some insight. As we have been studying about the gifts of the Spirit, it's a perfect opportunity, God, for you to show up and move through your people. So we make ourselves available to that as we just love and greet one another. In Jesus' name we said, all right, now you can stand in fellowship.
Well, thank you so much for being so attentive to that five minutes. I appreciate you. Hey, uh, real quick, as you guys are getting settled, I apologize online. We're trying to fix the balance of that music there, but we wanted to welcome you. Say God bless you this morning, and we hope you'll stay for the whole service today. And we love you and consider you part of our church family. So sorry about that. Um, So listen, folks, I got to tell you something. You know me. I don't do a lot of preaching on tithing. I don't talk a lot about we need money, we need money, we need money, we need money. Let me just tell you something. The church depends upon God for our supply, and he owns it all. It's, it's up to God. He can release it all. But I also believe we partner with God in the stewardship of his finances. All the money you make, all the money I make, it's all his. And then God says, I trust you with it. All he asks for is 10% or more. And the reason I say or more, because I never want to limit God to what he can give and to what I can give. Um, And so I just want to encourage you, and online as well, we have online giving. It's very convenient. Just go to our website and click online giving, and you can can bless. if If you are benefiting from this ministry or getting fed from this ministry, that's what it's all about. In Malachi, it talks about the storehouses. It's where you get fed, and that's what the church is, hopefully, for you. I say this because we are in the summer months. A couple things happen in the summer months. I don't know if you know this, but your PG&E bill goes up a little bit. Is it just me? No, it's not just me? Okay. I don't know if you noticed that. But it also happens to a lot of people out there that are struggling. Um, this week, I had a couple of people, not from our church, but who were newer to the area or just moved back, and their PG&E bill was just out of control. And I was able to pray with them. Um, because of last week's message, i got to share this with you. Because of last week's message, I'm taking my own medicine. I have never, ever, ever put a condition on our benevolence giving when we give out benevolence. But now I am. And my condition is, you got to let me pray with you. And uh, I'm finding that I'm asking God to give me words of wisdom, knowledge, insight, prophecy, whatever I can to reach them and let them know God loves them. And uh, i got to tell you something. I, we have blessed with our benevolence. But we also have other bills that have to be paid. Now, whether it's, it's the salaries of, of myself or Jimmy and Anna, or if it's the PG&E bill or other things— you know, we trust God. But don't you want to partner with God and what God is doing in this ministry? Don't you want to be a part of that and sow into that and believe in that? I'm not just talking about your obedience because that's, look at, it's easy to say this. Here's what I can afford to give. That's easy. Anybody can do that. You go to the store and you look at your products and you go, I can afford that. That's, the world does that. But we are part of God's church. We work with a supernatural God who we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We believe that he is our source. What kind of faith does it take to say, I can afford to give this? It takes no faith. You're just looking at the numbers and going, there it is, and that's what I can do. Yeah, but what what, what about God? Yeah, that's what you can do, but what can God do? And so I encourage you to give not out of, of guilt, obligation, or, oh, Pastor Eric's, or I'm worried about that. No, forget all that. 
ask God simply this. What would you have me give? And then be obedient to that. It's that simple. And I'm telling you, if it's, if it's so easy, then that's probably not the number. And I just encourage you, maybe not this Sunday, but maybe throughout this week, ask God, are we giving what you want us to give to the storehouse that feeds us? It's that simple. And uh, that's why I don't preach a lot on it. I got my, look at, there's some basic things in Christianity, right? Surrender your life to God, pray for others, love others, love God. There's some basics in there. Giving is basic. If you are struggling in this, you are struggling in the basics of your faith. And so maybe it's a good check in your spirit. God, where am I at in my relationship with you? Do I really believe you supply all my needs? Or do you only supply part of them and I got to take care of everything else? Is this my money or is this God's money? Am I the steward or do the bills dictate what I'm going to do or does God? And that's what it's simple. I can tell you this after almost 30 years in, in walking with Jesus. I can tell you he has never stopped taking care of me. Never. Whether I had a lot of money or no money, he's always taken care of my kids. Never went to, well, I don't want to say my kids never went to bed hungry. My kids were hungry every time they went to bed. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. They, we always had food in the fridge, gas in the tank, and a job to go to. And God saw us through those times when we didn't. It's pretty much that simple. Let me give you one quick illustration, and we'll, we'll continue on in service as we prepare for our offering. Debbie and I had only been going to church for about three weeks. We were... We were coming to Christ and coming to really know him. It was a process for us more than an event. You know, some people, it's an event. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life, and bam, everything's changed, and God does amazing miracles. Some of us, it's a process. Debbie and I, it was more of a process over our whole lives that came for, to fruition when we started going to this church. And uh, we had just—how many remember the first house you bought and going, I thought I was going to have more money than this? Amen. That's what happened to us. You know, the realtors and finance officers are really good telling you what you can afford. <laughs> the problem, it really isn't. And uh, we were broke. We were in this new house, starting at the Sioux Church. And I am not the handiest of handymans in the world. I might work with a computer pretty well, but uh, the big handyman stuff, it takes a bit for me. And um, the, the garbage disposal broke. And we had, were washing dishes in the, in the bathtub. And it, remember, <laughs> in the girls' bathroom, we were washing dishes in that sink. And, we <laughs> and then we were using a strainer for Oh, it's just gross. Okay, so, we, <laughs> so it was broken, and we couldn't use the sink. And I was telling a guy at church that I just met who soon became one of my best friends, Frank. I was telling him about, I don't know what I'm going to do. We don't have, certainly have any money for, to have somebody put one in. I don't even have money for the garbage disposal. So we're right now, you know, doing that stuff in the bathroom. And like I said, we had only been going to church three or four weeks. And uh, do you remember this, Deb? We came home. Frank had left service right after I had said that. Ran to Home Depot. Broke into my house. Fixed the garbage disposal and put the old one out on the front porch. We get home, I'm like, how did this happen? It's why I love the church, because we're a family. We take care of each other. And so I encourage you, trust God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He will always take care of you. Amen? So, Father, we just ask you to bless this offering. Father, we ask you to do things beyond us. 
We ask you to make us a people that is generous, a people that is able to step out in ways that we never imagined we could. God, we know that you are our provision. You are the sustainer of all of us, and you have brought us safe thus far. Why would you leave us now? So, Father, I pray for those this morning that are taking a big step of faith. Maybe they've never given like this before, and they are testing you. Well, Malachi says to go ahead and do that. Maybe you're online this morning. You've never done online giving. You're a little nervous about it. Let God move in your heart. And so for Mount Zion Church, God, we thank you for all the blessings over all the decades of ministry. We know you won't leave us yet. So God, thank you. Bless those that have a heart to give this morning that are just not in a place of faith or a place that they can do that. Or they're in a season where they can't do that. So bless them as well. And Lord, multiply this offering beyond anything we could ever imagine. Let the board and staff be good stewards of your resources through God's people. We ask you to do this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm excited about worship. I'm excited about the message today. I'll try not to rush through worship, but I got to warn you, this morning I got here super early to get that air conditioner on, and I was just singing songs. I was really enjoying it just enjoying being in the presence of God. So you're going to have to sing this morning because I lost it probably four times while going through this and I couldn't sing. But that's okay too. So why don't we, uh, as you receive the offering, go ahead and stand up as we worship Him. Put all of our focus on Him. Give Him all you got, guys. Come on.
Extend our minds, our finite minds, to our infinite God. Help us, Lord, to hear your words this morning. Speak to our hearts. Change us from the inside out, God. So we can not only bring glory to you, but bless and love others today. Father, I pray for those watching online this morning. Touch their hearts. Take care of their needs. Father, I know you're going to take care of Mount Zion Church's needs. And I know there's hurting individuals here that need everything from a healing in their body to a healing in their mind, to financial provision. God, they need they need more of you. So open us up. Make us receivers of your word. Make us shapeable and moldable by you. Help us to get out of the way of ourselves and open ourselves up to you. We ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, <coughs> I know that... Uh, Andrew, you said you had something to share this morning? Is it, huh? You want to come up and share? Or what do you want to do? You want to talk to each individual one at a time? I'm just kidding. Come on. <laughs> grab a microphone. Just grab the microphone. Just grab. Okay. <laughs> Good morning, church family. So I had a, a, a word, I didn't really write it down, but a, a, the word that I had was, many of us, Lord, will, will you bring us prosperity? Let your face shine upon the, the light of your face and fill my heart with joy. And so part, part of that comes to me, you know, I had so much fear when I, when I came to the Lord and, and embracing in my recovery and, and enlightenment and and. And I've had this terrible thing about a miserable death. And as, so as I grew in, with Christ and, you know, being here since 2001, done some missionary work and opening my heart to be fulfilled with this purpose because the deceits and the ruthlessness that I had before I came in here was just un, unbelievably, you know, crazy. And, you know, through God's grace, he, he's been able to enlighten me and to share with people uh, in my business to to one of the things mostly is to love all and for me to like understand that whole thing about loving all is really important because I would take the chance to maybe love few maybe maybe love most but it teaches us in the Bible that we need to love all so I'm not going to get into this huge thing but the just just being a part of a church being getting to be part of a family you know, with my family, you know, today was the three years after my mom had passed, so I'm going to be calling my sisters, and I don't normally do that, and, and I know that it was very hard on them, so um, I'm just very, very, very grateful to, uh, you know, be a part of this church body and, and, and uh, make a difference in life today. Thank you. Good. Good job. Well, it's easy to love those that we like. <laughs> it's not always easy to love those that are unlovable. But that's exactly who Jesus calls us to. Amen? 
I told you that story. I was having a real hard time with this other pastor. Gosh, I'm being so nice right now just saying other. And I went to my senior pastor and said, how long do we got put up with this? He goes, I don't know. How long has Jesus put up with you? And gosh, so Andrew, thank you for that. This past week, I hope you've had an opportunity to pray for people, to help them, to ask God for words of wisdom, encouragement, knowledge, edifying, to help them. It's hard. It's hard to remember it sometimes. Like I said this week that I was blessed enough to, to be able to have a couple of opportunities to do that, but it wasn't something automatic. It's a process. We learn to do this thing about using and learning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're available to all of us. Everybody say all. All right, so let's continue this morning. Today we get into the weird stuff, which is so much fun. I love it. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't have it up there, but let me read it for you. We, we, by the time we get done with this series, we should all have this entire passage, 11 verses memorized. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now he's talking to all of us. He doesn't want us to be ignorant about these things. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. Dumb idols don't mean stupid idols. They mean dumb idols, meaning idols that don't talk or listen. They're just dumb. They're just pieces of wood and stuff. However you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. You were only able to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, so it's already working. Hallelujah. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Something he wants to drill into us, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles. Here's where we're going to go today. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Amen. That's what we're covering. Now, it's so funny to me. I was just talking this morning to somebody. I don't know how people determine that some point during the, the days of the Bible being written or whatever was going on, well, can you consider over the hundreds and hundreds of years it took to write it and all the, the different authors and all that kind of stuff, that somebody decided, hey, there's some stuff in the Bible, especially the New Testament, that we're just going to decide doesn't do that anymore. They don't happen anymore. Oh, yeah, we can believe in healings, but this part I don't believe. I don't think we get to do that. I don't think we get to do that. I think we have to take the Bible at its word and know that it's forever the same 
today, yesterday, and forever. Amen? So we don't get to cherry pick. Like I said, you don't get to say, I believe in eight out of the Ten Commandments. You don't get to do that. Well, this is another part where you look at these gifts and you don't go, well, I believe this one, but this one I don't, and this one I do. This one's not for me. This one's for someone else. You don't get to do it. It's for everybody. The Holy Spirit is the distributor to all of these gifts, to all of us, for what is said the best gift is the one when you need it the most. It's for the right time. And God does not want us to be ignorant about that. So just a couple of things. God, Remember, Paul is listing out these nine gifts, and it's like, remember we talked about like our toolbox. It's like an electrician comes to your house, but if he doesn't have his tools, what good is he? But then again, if the electrician comes to your house and he has the tools, but he doesn't know how to use them, once again, what good is he? Having the toolbox itself isn't going to do anybody any good. And remember this as we go through this series. God is much bigger and greater than all the definitions and descriptions that I can give you. So you've got to stay open. He is infinite. We are finite. So just a couple of things. We divided the nine gifts into, a, into three groups. And, it, and this is not theological. This is for communication's sake. It's for our teaching. They're what we call revelation gifts. Gifts that reveal something. The gift of the word of knowledge. To give a word of wisdom or discerning spirits. We talked about that last Sunday. And then there are vocal gifts. Gifts that say something by the inspiration of God. There is a tongue tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and there is prophecy. And that's what we're going to be talking about those three today. And then next, as we go on in future messages, we're going to be talking about the power gifts, gifts that do something, they cause something to happen. That's faith, the workings of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And those we're going to talk about in future messages. I want us to remember we are tripart beings. We are spirit, soul, body, And the body has five senses in which information comes to us. It goes into our soul, which is the emotional part of us. It is our mind and our emotions that where logic and reason happens. And parallel to that is our spiritual senses that come out. And those are eternal and enables you and I to commune with God and for the Holy Spirit to work in and through us in the realm of the Spirit. And we need to become sensitive to these things. We live in a callous, hard, pain-in-the-you-know-rear world that will harden us. And we can so quickly lose that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And I want you all to remember, this is how the Holy Spirit communicates with you, but it's not the only way. It may be the main way, but it is in our spirit how these gifts work. So today, we're going to talk about the vocal gifts. For many of us, many of us are familiar with these vocal gifts, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So let's right off the bat get creepy one, and that's the different kind of tongues. For some reason, I was just talking to somebody last week that I encourage people when we, when we have a membership class for you to sign up. Maybe you don't want to be a member. That's okay. Sign up. Here's what I believe, that in membership classes, no surprises. I don't want you to be surprised by what we do here, and I don't want to be surprised by you leaving because you didn't know that was going to happen. And I always like to, so we go over the functionalities of the church, the organization of the Assemblies of God, but one of the things I do spend some time on is that we are what is called a Pentecostal charismatic church. That just means everything that happened at the day of Pentecost and thereon is still happening today. 
Like I said, I don't get to go through the Bible and say, nope, don't believe that one, don't believe this one. You know what's so funny? In Norway, a few, uh, a few years ago, my wife and I and kids were able to go with my dad out to our island of Utsira and um, where our family's all at. And before we went in, we went to a couple of churches, these really large churches. And it was so funny talking some doctrine with them. They firmly believe in the gifts of, of uh, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. They believed in prophecy. They believed in all of those kind of gifts. You know what they struggled with? Healings. Oh, well, God's provided medicines and doctors. I don't think God really needs to heal us anymore because we have all of that. Which is kind of the opposite of the American church. That the American church says, oh, healings, that's a good one. But tongues and that kind of stuff, that's weird. And so it's so funny how we have these discussions back and forth. Well, why would I need all that? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about these different types of tongues. Here it is. It's very simply this. The definition of it is, it is the supernatural ability to speak in languages of men and or of angels. Supernatural ability. Meaning it's not something we have learned. It's not going like you went to language school and became a linguistic and now you speak five different languages and so you go, yep, got the gift of tongues. No, you went to school for that and learned it. He enabled us supernaturally to speak. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So, all of this must serve a purpose. What, is God just throwing monkey wrenches out there to throw us off? No, everything he gives us is for a purpose. And remember, we talked about this last week too. All the parts, and or actually maybe the week before, all the parts of our bodies have a purpose. Just like he uses the analogy of the church, we are all part of the body of Christ. So when you're not here, it's like we're missing an arm or an eye or an ear. So God has given us these parts of the body to be used for his glory and to communicate. So tongues is one of them. God gives you and me this ability to speak in languages of men and of angels. In the Old Testament, there's not a lot of this. There are some examples. Deborah in the temple mouthing, and she wasn't really speaking anything, but the Holy Spirit was speaking through her. So her lips were all moving, so they thought she was drunk, which is an interesting analogy because remember the day of Pentecost when all of them were speaking in tongues, what did it say? That they thought they were all drunk? I'll remind you one quick little asterisk when we start talking about day of Pentecost and people speaking in tongues. And remember they said, each one of them heard it spoken in their own language. Well, that doesn't mean that's not what was being spoken by the disciples, the apostles. They could have been speaking in tongues. And the Holy Spirit was giving the, the people listening to that the translation. Now, it could have gone the other way. Don't get me wrong. But I don't understand if all these voices are being raised, how are each and every one of them hearing their own language? What tells me is that they were hearing it through the gift of, 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 of interpretation more than they were hearing their own language. So I say that because there's, there's only an, a couple of handful of things in the Old Testament. For instance, we all know the story of, of the Tower of Babel, and that was in Genesis chapter 11. The whole earth just had one single language, and God said, oh, these people are trouble. Look at them all work together. So the whole earth was speaking that single language. And God said, you know what? I'm going to enable them to speak different languages. And that caused the dispersion of people around the globe because they didn't understand each other. 
That's just one expression. But God supernaturally releasing multiple languages among people. And the purpose for that was to have them be dispersed. But when we come into the New Testament, the Lord has a lot to say about the gift of diversity of tongues. The Lord himself said it in Mark chapter 16. Now, are we going to believe that, that Jesus said this for just a temporary purpose, or are we going to believe that Jesus meant it for everybody for all time? You're going to have to make that decision at this point in the message because it's going to get really boring if you, don't th- if you think Jesus. No, he just meant it for right there. So in Mark chapter 16, 17, he said, And these signs will follow those who believe. So if you believe, this is what's going to happen. In my name you will cast out demons. Cool. And they will speak with new tongues. So this gift is available and accessible to every one of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we have the whole, throughout all the books in the, and, and the book of Acts in the New Testament. You can find references to speaking in tongues starting from the day of Pentecost. Saul, when he was converted, he was full of the Spirit, we know, and he spoke in tongues. This is one of my favorite chapters. I don't have this up here, but in Acts chapter 19, let me read it for you. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through these upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, verse 2, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed. When was the last time someone asked you that? Isn't that funny how we've, we've, we've poo-pooed this thing so much? We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, folks. The first thing these guys, first thing, he passes through the upper, he comes to Ephesus, and he finds the disciples, and he goes, hey, guys, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So he said to them, then, who, into who were you baptized? Now that immediately says, red flags, red flags, whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why, I thought there was only one baptism. You know, we get in the tank, poop, dunk, epic. Yeah, that's one thing. That's John's baptism. And so they're confused. Wait a minute. You believed, you were baptized, but you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's what these guys are saying. Verse 3, into what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, oh, that's good enough. Go on. No, he didn't say that. Verse, verse 4, Acts chapter 19, verse 4, he says this. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized, meaning John the Baptist, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who had come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. That's what we do. Boom, sounds good. So he should end there. That's not what he does. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that's it. No. What was the result of him doing that? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, second only, because I didn't believe this stuff, guys. It, I read material after material. Remember Creighton Tong, Deb? Creighton Tong gave me a stack full of stuff on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I went, yeah, 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 whatever. It's freaky. It's weird. I'm not doing it. I just didn't believe it. Then my grandmother, God bless her, very simply said, you know, when, I, when I'm struggling, when I'm going through some difficulties, I just start reading the book of John, and God will speak to you. 
She was incredibly wise. And when I did that, I, I, I then read in this portion of, of the Bible when they had gone into, the, there was this sorcerer in Samaria. Philip had gone in there. That's not in my notes. I, I thought I had that verse in there. It's not. And, and what he does is, I, I read the book of John, and then I went back to the book of Acts. And, and this was in Acts when, they, when Philip went into Samaria. And what happened basically is a revival breaks out. It's really cool. And it was because there was this dude there called Simon the Sorcerer. This guy was doing magic tricks and illusions and everything. And, you know, you could take it a step further. He was practicing witchcraft, teeth of the devil. You could do whatever you want. But he was tricking all these people. And he wanted this great power. He was just like so impressed. But that's not the part of the story that I thought was cool. Revival breaks out. Philip is seeing all these people coming to Jesus. And they're being baptized in the water. And so he sends word to the disciples. He says, hey guys, this is really cool. Revival's broken out in Samaria. Everything's going rocking. And they get word of what's going on. And they go, well, are they speaking in tongues? It's like, what? So they leave Jerusalem and come all the way over to Samaria. Now that wasn't like hopping on a bus, getting an Uber. It was a long journey. It was so important to them. And that told me another thing. That Why didn't they just tell Philip, hey dude, why don't you just pray for them, lay hands on them, and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? But obviously Philip had not had that, that training yet, or didn't have the experience yet, or maybe they doubted him, because why was he satisfied with them receiving and believing, repenting, and being water baptized? Maybe the disciples were going, whoa. Maybe Paul and John were going, what the heck is going on here? We cannot trust Philip down there. He's not even laying hands on them and having them be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they get off their duffs and they walk all the way down to Samaria. And then I went, whoa. So what was the evidence of them laying hands on them? They began to speak in tongues. They had only been baptized in the name of of Jesus. Now in Acts chapter 8, where we see all of this, when they had come down to pray, then they baptized, it says, for it yet had not fallen on them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? How do the disciples know that? Well, over and over again in the book of Acts, when you see them question whether they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence was them speaking in tongues. That's how they knew it. That was the evidence. It wasn't... Now, I always struggled with that. I didn't like the word the initial evidence. Dennis, you know this about the Assemblies of God. Man, this is a stickler for a lot of people. A lot of us Assemblies of God pastors. And I was one of them. I said, it can't be the initial evidence. There's got to be other stuff out there. But then I started reading my Bible more about this, and I saw that every instance where they were speaking in tongues, every instance where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence was they were speaking in tongues. So it kind of shut me up on that. I really got upset about it. The Corinthian church is the one that we're studying today. Paul is responding to what's going on out there. And he was, they were exercising all of these gifts, and Paul never said, well, you need to just stop that stuff. Paul never said that. If you look at the book of Acts and the way it was operated, it was simply this. 
Once a person believed and got saved, became a believer, the next thing he did was pray for that person to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they would look for the evidence of that as them speaking in tongues. That was the standard operational procedure in the church. I don't know where we decided no more. I don't know why we suddenly went, we're not going to do that anymore. I know part of the reason where we're at now is because we turned into this seeker-friendly, got to make everybody happy kind of church where we don't talk about sinners and heathens and people going to hell. We call them seekers. We don't talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. and so We just say, well, people have different giftings, and we just keep that quiet because we don't want to upset the visitors. You don't want to upset the visitors. What about John the Baptist? He ticked everybody off. And he certainly didn't have $500 tennis shoes on. He was out there with a sackcloth and all, looking all grungy and homeless. He didn't have any fog machines or a great worship team. He didn't have an incredible facility. I don't know how John did it. He wasn't even online. But this was normal. You get saved. Now we're going to pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and for you to receive the uh, operation of speaking in tongues. Now, what, uh, why, what, what, what is the point? Why? You're speaking in tongues or diversity of tongues. God doesn't do anything by accident. There's a purpose in all of this. Why would I, you know, why would I need that? You might as well just say, why would I need the Holy Spirit? I have Jesus, I'm going to heaven, I'm done. If that were true, the minute you got saved, God would take you to heaven. But he leaves us here, but he doesn't leave us without our toolbox. So of course, praying in tongues, we're talking about our private life. Let me explain something. We have, what I was talking about, when you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is your personal prayer language. Do that anytime you want. Do it anywhere you want, but you don't want to confuse people, so don't get a little weird about it. Because it is weird. Hey, I so don't want to use my notes today. You know what? We may have to go, I may have to go back and do this message a different way next week. So let's just do this, okay? Look it. I know this. It's weird speaking in tongues. It's weird. But so is the dudes marching around Jericho waiting for walls to fall. That's weird. Laying out fleeces is weird. When Jesus says to stand up when you're crippled your whole life, that's weird. When, when, what about this? When Jesus tells Paul, he blinds him with his glory, right? Jesus blinds Saul before he became Paul. And instead of Jesus just going, Bubbo, you're, Bubbo, you're, you're healed now and you can see, what does he do? He tells him to go put mud on his eyes and go wash it. That's weird. Tithing is weird. I know so many people go, I can't afford to tithe. I know this, I can't afford not to. That's weird. Go ahead, go ahead, make your budget and throw in your giving in there and see if it works. It doesn't. That's weird. But, but, if you can do the most weird thing of all and speak in tongues, 
If you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and through you in this way, and you allow that language to become out of you, and you start freeing yourself to allow the Holy Spirit to do it more, you'll go more, and then you go more, and you keep doing this weird, this weird thing, this really weird thing. All of a sudden, when God calls you to do something, it's not going to look that weird, is it? God says, hey, I want you to go make a sandwich and I want, to go, want you to wait out front your porch or somebody's going to come by and you're going to give that sandwich to them. You go, I speak in tongues, I can do that. <laughs> if I can do this weird thing, I can do this simple thing. And I really think that's why we have such a hard time because we all feel like we have to trust ourselves so much. I, 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 I was a point in my life, all I did was depend on me. Because everybody in my life was so undependable. I could not depend on anybody but me. Then I found out I wasn't so dependable. What do you do then? And that's when I found Jesus. So if I trust him with my life. I trust God, my Savior Jesus, with my eternal soul. Why can't I trust him that he's going to give me different weird heavenly language to speak? Which is, which is harder to trust, your eternal soul or your tongue? Let's not make it so weird. And all believers, this is for all believers. In both situations, you have corporate and private. In your private prayer language, go for it. Corporately, if you're loud enough where everybody else is hearing, pray for a translation so people aren't thinking you're just a freak. And here's the problem. You're not. Give it a shot. I always feel bad for the person who gives it a shot and somebody else gets a translation, uh, gets an interpretation. And they remain quiet because they were afraid to stand up. So it makes the person who finally went for it look like a fool. But we're a family here. We got to try out stuff and see what God's doing. It may be, but that's, that's very unusual. We don't see it a lot in here. Um, I hope to at one point, but I want it organized, and I, I, I can't control it. But on the other hand, I know how the God works. He's the God of order. So if I'm operating through the Holy Spirit and someone begins speaking in tongues, there will be a moment in service where it's orderly. If they're interrupting, like if right now all of a sudden Andrew decided to stand up while I'm sitting here trying to preach to him, and he's going, bye-bye, shabbat, I'd be like, dude, I'm talking here. Well, does the Holy Spirit interrupt himself? So one of us is out of order. It, it might be me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'd have to pray about it. But then there's opportunities too. Jack Hayford, who was uh, uh, president of the Foursquare Church, for, or superintendent, whatever you want to call it, forever and ever. This guy, this guy had a brilliant uh, book called, the, if you ever want to get a great book on this, called The Beauty of Spiritual Language. The Beauty of Spiritual Language. It's a great book. In this book, he was on an airplane, and he was, he was riding on the airplane, and everything, you know, we're not going to get to everything this week. I know we're not. Okay, that's great. He was on the airplane, and he sat next down to this dude, and God told him very clearly, speak in your prayer language to this man. Now, you want to talk about stepping out in faith. That's weird. So he resisted. Jack Hayford's hysterical. He goes like, I said, well, I'll wait for a good opportunity. How's that going to come up? So on the plane, on the plane, God just won't let him go with this. So he turns to the man next to him and he just simply states, 
You know, we've been talking a little bit here. Can I tell you something? I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, I want to be obedient to God. And, and uh, he told me to speak these words to you. And I, I don't know if it'll mean anything to you or not, but would, would that be okay? And the guy said, sure. So he spoke out in his prayer language. And the man began to tear up. He said, how can you possibly know that dialect? He goes, what are you talking about? It's just my personal prayer language. He goes, well, here's what I heard. My grandfather, all Native American Indians, and my grandfather was the last person to speak that dialect in our tribe. And I've never heard it since. But you just told me how much God loves me and knows me. That's weird. That takes some faith. So there are those times in, in personal life, whenever you want. Corporate life, you've got to be a little discerning there. It's very important to do that. It's, a, it's something you can develop. Oh, let me see where I'm at. I have no idea. Deb, do you know where I'm at? I know, I know, this is a good point. I'm just going to start looking for really good points because I got some good ones here. Here's a really good point. 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Mysteries. I love this part of speaking in tongues. I may not know what, what uh, Susan needs. I may not know what's going on in that head of hers. God knows what's going on in that head of us. <laughs> but I want to pray for her. For some reason, God has told me to pray for her. I don't know what to pray for her. It's a mystery. So I can pray in my prayer language, and my heart and my spirit partner with the Holy Spirit in interceding for Susan. The perfect prayer. I'm not perfect, but the Holy Spirit is. So I'm praying for, I can pray for people I don't know. I can pray people half, half a world away in China, and I can pray for them in my prayer language, and guess what? It's perfect. I might not even know. You ever had those things? I, I say this a lot. I don't know what's wrong with me. You ever just wake up a little funky, and you don't know what's wrong with you, but you know something's wrong with you? I don't mean physically. You're just in a funk. You pray in your spiritual language. Why? Because the Holy Spirit intercedes for you and edifies you. It lifts you up. That's why when you're in a public setting, you need to have an interpretation so everybody is edified. I could come up here and speak in tongues all Sunday morning. It'll be good for me. <laughs> but I don't think it's really going to benefit any of you. So verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 2 of 1 Corinthians is great. No one understands him, but in the Spirit... He speaks mysteries. That means you don't have any knowledge about it. I love praying for my kids this way. Because I, I don't know what's going on with them. But I can intercede and pray for them in that way. <coughs> you know, when we pray in our own knowledge, we run out real fast. I do. Yeah, I, I'm always jealous of people who could pray for hours and hours and hours. Like, how do you do that? I'm like done in like 10 minutes of things I can think of. So sometimes I break out the church directory and I just start praying for people that I run down the names. 
I'll do that. I'll look at the prayer chain we have on the phone, Eva, right? You know, just start praying for people there. But even that, you're like done in 15 minutes. But when I'm praying the Spirit, I can pray for every one of those knowing that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what they need. And I can pray for hours that way. And it's wonderful. The mysteries. I don't have any foreknowledge, but the Holy Spirit does. We become partners with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the other, oh, this is really cool. Romans eight twenty seven. You're praying according to the will of God. How'd you like that? That your prayers are right in the will of God. That's pretty good feeling right there. When I pray in the Spirit, I'm praying in the will of God. Jude 1, verse 20 says, You, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you. Paul said it this way, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. As much as all of you speak in tongues, I speak in tongues more than you. So how do you do it? How does this thing happen? Gosh, we make such a big deal out of this. It's not that big of a deal. It's simply go home, say, Lord Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, God. I want to speak in tongues because it's available to all believers. But you're going to have to take the step of faith. You're going to have to speak. Do not sit in your room and go, Lord Jesus, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And then come back to me going, Pastor, I tried it. It didn't work. You're going to have to step out in faith and say something. And it may not sound normal. I was my first day. My first day was a board meeting. as uh, I was now full-time ministry. And I was becoming the worship leader at our church. And I was super excited and nervous. I went to this board meeting and they asked me if I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And I said, no. It was weird. I'd done all the reading. I'd done all that stuff. And then then they laid hands on me and began to pray. And I got one word. I remember that office. It was the office uh, over near that shopping mall office, Summersville. In that office, and I, was, I got one word, conteros. They just encouraged me, keep saying it out. Conteros, 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 conteros. That's all I had for weeks and weeks and weeks. Conteros, conteros. And Creighton comes to me and goes, Dude, don't be discouraged. Do you ever look it up? Find out what that word means? I went, No, it's weird. Here I was being hands laid upon me, going my first time ever being a full-time ministry, and I'm going to be the worship leader. I looked up the word. It was a musical term in Italian, meaning to play with music with heart, with emotion. I never would have known that. That made sense. Poor Ralph Granger, if you're watching this morning, Ralph, I'm so sorry. Poor Ralph. Ralph, same thing happened. He got this one word. He poo-pooed it and didn't try it ever again for another seven years till I told him to look up the word. His word? Yahoo. At first, I thought maybe it was a stock tip because this was the early 90s. And he said, this is stupid. What, God is a, a cowboy? I'm like, Yahoo. I mean, what are you talking about? It is a Yiddish term mean praise to God, believe it or not. Seven years he ignored it because he thought it was gibberish. 
and it was a word for him. So it may be weird, but have faith. Step out. Open yourself up. Don't give up. Understand, you are in control of this. You open up your mouth. You say whatever the Holy Spirit, no matter what it sounds like, is in you. And you've got to develop it and develop it and develop it. Okay, we already did that. Okay, now we have time just to go. Okay, so we're not going to get into prophecy. We're going to do prophecy next week. I just, we're lucky to get through this part. The second one is interpretation of tongues. Interpretation is simply, this is slide 14. You got, oh, Deb, you're rocking it. The second one, uh, interpretation is simply the supernatural ability to interpret, giving the meaning of a message that has been given in tongues. Again, a supernatural ability. It means we're not talking about some acquired skill. Like you're speaking in Chinese and now you speak Chinese. It's nothing like that. We're talking about the supernatural ability that the Holy Spirit gives you to interpret. And the important thing to remember about interpretation is we're not talking about translation. The Bible doesn't tell us that uh, pray for a translation. He says pray for an interpretation. Translation is a word for word. Interpretation is giving the meaning. That's all basically God's saying, I will help you with the essence of what is said. Sometimes a message in tongues can be five minutes and the interpretation one minute, and vice versa. Because it's not a translation, it's an interpretation. The Old Testament, Daniel 5, is a great example of this gift. Basically, what was happening, a, a hand was sent from God to write upon the wall of King uh, Belshazzar's palace, and he called the wise men and said, Hey, dudes, can you read it? Can you give an interpretation? They said, Nope, sorry, we can't do it. So then they called Daniel. The king said, I've heard of you, and here it is, that the Spirit of God is in you. Daniel, by the Holy Spirit, not only read that, but he gave the interpretation and the meaning of what was said. In the New Testament, chapter 12 of Corinthians, and chapter 14 of Corinthians, he, Paul said, sometimes I pray in tongues. The things of, are the word of God are coming alive. And then afterwards, I know, I know this, I know this. Sometimes I do this. I, I write down what is in my heart when I pray in my spirit. And we talked about doing it in, in public. Why is it important to have an interpretation in public? Well, because if you think about this, prophecy is God speaking through you. So if you're speaking in tongues, and remember, Paul said prophecy was, other than love, prophecy was most important, to focus on prophecy. But if someone's speaking in tongues, someone gives an interpretation, now we are still hearing the words of God, and it's on equal footing with prophecy. They're both prophecy. And prophecy is just a message from God. Prophecy is speaking through a person to another person. I guess we are getting to prophecy. But I want to talk about interpretation real quick and we'll wrap it up because I do want to say prophecy. It's too much fun. Um, oh, no, I don't. Okay. I'm struggling today, guys, because I got so much in my head. I wanted to say in translation, it doesn't always have to be... Um, standing up and giving a word-for-word -word thing or some kind of it. Sometimes you can draw something or paint something, and God has interpreted that for you. Translation, uh, uh, interpretation can come in many different forms. 
It, don't just think it has to come somebody immediately coming up. But let, let's quickly, because I really do want to get to some ministry at the end of this. I have a special thing for you. Um, so prophecy is just speaking by inspiration a message from God. Speaking through a person, to a person, or persons. God says, I want to get a word across to you. Prophecy is inspired. You didn't go on Facebook and saw that they went to the beach, and then when you see them at church, Sunday, go, God told me you went to the beach. Okay, you saw it on Facebook. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. The purpose is, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification means to build up. You're going to say something to encourage them. Exaltation and courage and comfort means they need to be soothed, comforted, loved, feel cared for. Listen, folks, we need this. We are living in a time where people are just beating themselves up with words. And they're using phrases like, it's dangerous to say that. Listen to the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. God is just trying to say everyone's going to do this. So what are the best ways to do operations of prophecy? Bring encouragement. Isn't this a great thing to do? Someone needs encouragement. It can, it can also, uh, you know, I was just... It can, it, it can get people to move. It can, get, it can get people to make that decision, to get off, get off the pot, so to speak, to get into action in a specific area. This just happened a couple of weeks, uh, almost a month ago. A buddy of mine, some of you know Ed. Ed, and I, Ed, Ed wouldn't mind me sharing this. He was sharing some thoughts and sharing some thoughts and sharing some, And finally said, Ed, could you hold on one second? Because while he was talking, God very clearly, it didn't matter what he was telling me, to be honest with you. I was, God was distracting me to the point where I tuned him out. Now, I can easily tune out people. I'm good at it. I just squirrel, and I'm good, okay? But that was not what was happening. God was telling me to tell him, it's time to move. It's time to stop analyzing this, stop praying about it, stop thinking about it, and it's time to start doing that. And ever since then, he has not stopped moving. It released him into that area. I didn't even know, Ellie, what he was talking about because I was so distracted. It can also reveal potential. It can be that, that is on someone's lives. Sometimes people have a hidden potential. My grandmother had this for me. From the time I was probably eight years old, Eric, when are you going to sing for Jesus? Eric, God has got an anointing. Virgie has told me over and over again the call on her kids' lives. And sometimes you need a, a word to give to them to bring that confirmation. Sometimes it just brings amazing comfort and uh, not, not gratification, but uh, what's the word I'm looking at? But just this confidence, this assurity that everything's okay. I was a worship leader of about 250 people and I had a team of guys for the last 12 years that were all my age. We had so much fun, and worship was great. I really enjoyed it. But there was a season where it, I couldn't feel nothing. I just couldn't feel it. No emotion. Look at you. 
you can have emotion without worship, but when you don't have emotion with worship, it, it sucks. I just couldn't feel anything. And then it started with this. Deanna, Creighton's wife, came up to me and said, it's okay to go through a dry time. She didn't even know what I was dealing with. And I went, all right, it still sucked. I didn't like it. It was really hard to get motivated for two services every Sunday. It was just hard. And I felt so defeated. For about three months, Debbie, I made Debbie go. We went to every Friday night service we could get our hands on. We went to every worship service. I went to anything I could, any altar call I could get to, and nada. And then uh, my buddy Frank, who did the garbage disposal, he had a, uh, his son was Frankie. And we all pile into their car, and we're going to go down to uh, Modesto, to which is now the house. We're going to go down because they have a Friday night evening service, and I want to go because I don't care. I'm just trying to get out of this cycle I'm in. Frankie, a typical 13, 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid, is in the back seat so mad that his dad is making him go. And he's doing that, I'm not going to talk to you teenager thing, where all you get is grunts and sighs. And, and you want to talk about the gift of interpretation. Most moms know what those grunts and sighs mean. You, can, you know exactly what your daughter's doing to that when she makes a certain sound, don't you? See, you have the gift of interpretation of teenager. And that's what Frankie was doing. Frankie was just so upset. And I turned around to him and I go, you know, Frankie, you might not be coming for you. You might be coming for someone else. You just need to be open to God. Because I was getting tired. I didn't have a teenager, so I didn't know. And I got kind of upset with him. So then we get there and I go to the altar and I'm on my knees and just nothing, nothing. I'm just not feeling nothing. And I'm, I'm kind of mad, to be honest with you. And then... I felt this hand on me. Something broke. The person was praying for me. Tears just started coming down. And I just began to weep. And it was like this cleansing. You know that good cry? You know that really wonderful cry? And I turn around. Guess who's got his hand on me? Frankie. So sometimes we have to realize that prophecy comes in different ways. Frankie didn't know what he was doing. He got a message, get up, walk down, pray for him. That was it. And then the rest is up to him. <laughs> it can bring guidance and direction to people. I said also bring correction. It can bring revelation of Scripture. Prophecy, you can open your Bible and suddenly the words come alive. Or how about this? You're talking to somebody and suddenly a Bible verse comes to you. Now, in preaching, if you ever hear a pastor, see, I'm real cynical about this. You ever hear a pastor go like this? Well, I prepared a message this morning. And then they take a piece of paper and they go, but I don't believe God has called me to preach that today. What it really means is they didn't finish their message. And they're not, okay? That's what it really means. And that's how cynical I am about it. But in children's church, uh, for the elementary school, we had about 450, 500 kids and uh, two services. And uh, I don't know what it was, but the older kids' service, which was, I think, third, fourth, and fifth graders, for some reason, whatever I worked on, whatever I spent hours preparing went right out the window. 
And it happened almost every week. But my messages would have verses and three points, and they'd be totally organized. And I would every week come off that platform going to Jerry Shaw, who I talked about last week, and Lori Contrell, and Alan. And, and I would come down and I would go, hey guys, I, I swear I prepared a message. Let me show you. I felt so guilty because I did all that off the cuff. But I had prepared a message. I swear it. And it was so weird to me that God would just give me what I needed for that moment. Today, there's a ton of stuff here. And trust me, it's really good. And I worked super hard on it. Drives me nuts. My goal here is for all of us to get started and bring prophecy to others. Very simply, Hosea chapter 12, 10 says, When I speak with prophets... To the prophets, I have, multiple, I have multiple visions and I've gotten symbols through the prophets. He says I use visions, meaning visuals and symbols. Jeremiah, what do you see? I see a boiling pot of water. It's facing north. Jeremiah, the meaning of the judgment comes from the north. God is giving him a symbol, a picture. How do you prophesy? Let me quickly run by this. Start by praying for the person. Just start praying for the person. We pray good things, by the way. Don't pray bad things. Okay? Lord Jesus, bless this person and get them off my butt. They're bugging me. Don't do that. God bless them. God take care of them. You start to pray for that person. God, are you saying something through? What do I feel? What do I hear? Give it time. God, is there something I particularly need to tell them or encourage them or pray about with them? He's not saying something, amen, just finish your prayer, amen, and move on. But if he's saying something, and most of the time he is, then he wants to encourage them. He wants to bless them. You begin to perceive what God is saying, and then you release that message. My wife prays, look out. And Danetta, you know this. How many times has Debbie, and I don't even know, I didn't ask Debbie, I haven't talked to you, how many times you went, how did Debbie know? Yeah, because she prays. And she prays about you. You just pray for that person. By the way, real quick. Uh, yeah, okay. Real quick, we're going to do a little exercise this morning. I made sure I walked around all these things. I made sure we had little pieces of paper and pencils, okay? Okay, I want, we're going to start doing this little exercise. All you have to do is pray and then you're going to ask God, you're going to try to perceive, and then you prophesy, you just write it down. So I want you to start thinking right now. Right now, I want you to begin to start thinking of somebody's name, and you're going to put it on a piece of paper. If you don't, that's okay. Put a little piece of paper and pencils in front of you. Now, when you get that word, let me just end with this. I want to help you when you have to give it to them. Like I said, Gail Groff a few weeks ago, when she had a word for me, she hated it. Because it was not encouraging, and she just was bawling, and I could hear her heart in it. It was a rebuke more than any, more of a challenge than a rebuke. But when you release prophecy, you have to remember it has to have love. It isn't about you getting something off your chest. Whenever somebody says, I have to get this off my chest, stop them and go, okay, so this is for you. So you can get this off your, this isn't for me. It's for you. But if you want to get it off your chest, why don't you go tell it to the tree over there because it's not for me. So you have to think of them. The most important thing when doing this is what I've said a million times, what my wife has said a million times. It's what we've said to each other and what we've said to you. 
It isn't what you say, it's what are they receiving? How are they receiving it? You might tell someone over and over again how beautiful and wonderful they are, and they go, ah, and they just won't receive it, and you just want to pound it into them. And it's too much that it hurts, but you've just got to figure out different ways until they will receive it. That's why we have children, and we say, how many times do I have to tell you? Because we keep saying it in different ways, and finally what? Finally, hopefully, they receive it. So remember that when you're, when you're thinking of that person and what to say to them, you have to ask how they're doing it, how you release it. The Bible also says, <laughs> the prophet is subject to the prophets, meaning to the prophets, meaning you will be judged by this, and that's okay. It's okay to be judged in this. It's not like God speaking to you now, get up and run across the hall and figure out. You, know, you have to allow yourself to be judged. If I said, Susan, thus saith the Lord, you need to get up. I need to go get me a Dr. Pepper. She might go, I don't know if that's from the Lord or not. It sounds more like it's from your belly. <laughs> Never give a prophecy saying, I am absolutely right about this and you better do it. God, I wish we could have told our kids that. That would have worked great. You might want to put it this way. I look at, I was praying for you and I got a sense. I kind of felt something in my heart. And I just want, and you can do this with a non-believer. You can just say, hey, something was on my heart. I had a gal in this week that, that I was looking for help with her, her rent check. And as I began to pray for her, I, I don't even remember what I said, to be honest with you. But when we closed in prayer, she goes, how did you know? So it's prophecy is never saying I'm absolutely right. Don't always say, thus saith the Lord. It's going to get you in trouble. And by the way, God does not speak in King James. Just because God gives you a word doesn't mean you deliver it. This is what thou wouldst say to thee. Okay, you're just losing them. So let me wrap this up. You have your piece of paper. You have your pen or your, your phone. Deb, could you do the uh, altar music? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to sing it? You can just sing it from right where you're at. <laughs> so you got your pen and your paper. You can even use your phone. Just don't take any calls. Think of one person. Think of one person. A friend, anyone. And you just begin to pray for that person. Father, uh, so-and-so, just bless them this morning. Bless them and help them. And just write down that name. And then ask God, is there some word of encouragement? Is there some way I can bless them? Is there something they need to hear, God? Is there something that they need? And if you don't get anything, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Relax. It's okay. There's no pressure. If you want, don't want to take this leap today, that's fine. But don't let go of it. Because if you did write a name down there, I believe God inspired you to do so. So keep the name. Put it in your pocket. I like to, I have notes on my bathroom mirror because I'll brush my teeth and I get done, I look up and go, ooh, yeah. I remember that. It's a great way to remember who to pray for. Just ask God. 
I know in times with our kids, my wife especially has had words of encouragement for them, something to tell them, something to say that was just the right words at the right time. And she won't go, thus saith the Lord. And it's not because she's trying to get credit for it. It's just that she doesn't want to shove Jesus down people's throats all the time. Now, if you're going to a believer, a mature believer, Virgie came to both Debbie and I this morning. And you're a mature believer and they can receive it. She'll tell you, this is what the Lord showed me today. Or Virgie sometimes prophesies in this way. I, she was reading some poem, reading a prayer, reading a verse. And what does she do? She types it out, copies it, and puts it in her prayer journal, and then she sticks it on the back table over there. Let me tell you something. Virgie is not putting those resources on that table back there just to throw stuff back there. She is praying about those things and prophesying for each individual here. And she wants to bless this church with that. So what she's doing is she is prophesying to this church with that resource table. Believe it or not. I do believe that because I know her prayer life. It's a very scary prayer life. Why? Because she'll catch you. My wife, we're not going to get music. Okay, I'll do it, I'll do it from here. That's okay. I'll, I'll take it. That's okay. No, no, I'll do it right here, Deb. I'll just use this. Why don't we stand to our feet? I just want to encourage you to move in this. I know there was more we could have got into, but no, I better not start looking. I'll turn it off. But I, I got to be honest with you. This is an area in church. I wanted to dispel, this is my goal today. I really wanted to dispel the, the, the tongue thing. I wanted us to get out of the tongue thing. Just to say, hey, look, stop making it so weird. It's not that weird. God will ask you to do a lot of weird things. That's not that weird. But the blessing of it is, I know all of us have had this moment in our lives when it comes to tongues. Have you ever been in a place where you needed to say something, but you didn't have the words? And so you do this. Ah, ah, um, ah, ah, ah. Moans and groans, baby. Sometimes we do this. You'll know exactly what I'm saying if I do this. <sighs> there, you guys have all got the gift of interpretation. I know it's silly, but in some ways it's not. If the Bible says moans and groans, and God can super... Now, okay, it is silly in the sense it's not supernatural. You just get it. But God, of course, will work supernaturally because that's who he is. He's a supernatural God. So I love the fact that when I don't have the words to say, the Holy Spirit gives them to me. So I encourage you with that. And then as far as interpretation, remember, it's not translation. It's not word for word. It, God might just give us a piece of it. This is kind of what I saw when you were speaking in tongues. This is what I heard when you were speaking in tongues. This is what I drew when you were speaking in tongues. And it might be yourself. You might be in your own prayer time. While you're, while you're praying in the Spirit, you might write something down. That's interpretation. And then prophecy. Come on, prophecy is a blast. Prophecy is so much fun. You know when you can do prophecy, folks? Our movie nights. 
Begin to pray now for the people coming to our movie nights on Friday nights in August. Then start walking around and see if there's someone there that you have a word of encouragement for. Imagine what this church would look like if we are a people searching for words to encourage one another supernaturally from God. This place would be crazy in such a good way. So Father, that's our prayer. (coughs) Make us crazy for you. Father, make us open to whatever you have for us. Am I crazy enough to believe that we can expand the kingdom and change the world from a movie night? Yes. Am I crazy enough to think that an entire generation of a family can change its trajectory because of a handshake from someone here today? Yes. God, do I believe that there are people hurting out there that have never heard the positive word, or better yet, they've never received a positive word of encouragement from another Christian in their whole lives, and that's going to change starting today. Do I believe that? Yes. So, Father, we make ourselves available to you now. Use us. If you can use anything, you can use me. If you can use a donkey, you can use me. You can use a bunch of crazy people from Pine Grove to change the world. Then do it, Lord. We make ourselves available to you. I thank you for this incredible family. I thank you for their patience with me, their encouragement for me. And Father, I pray you supernaturally return that favor and bless each and every one of them in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. God bless you guys. I know I was all over the place. Have a great day.
the head. 